to be here tonight, say amen. Oh, you can do better than that. If you're glad to be here, say amen. If you love the Lord, say amen. If you're glad school is almost out, say amen. I knew that would get it. Listen, it is so good to be in this place with you tonight. Uh, I'm thankful that David uh, texted me Friday or Saturday and asked if I would uh, be willing to preach and teach tonight and honored to have the privilege to stand before you and preach the message that the Lord has laid upon my heart and ask you to turn your Bibles or on your phones or however it is that you read God's Word. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 or on your phones to 1 Peter chapter 1. And when you find 1 Peter chapter 1, if you would stand with me as I read the first seven verses of this wonderful letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to Christians in AD 64 during a time that they were suffering much persecution, trial, and tribulation to encourage them to be faithful in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who reside as aliens, as strangers, scattered. Aliens, strangers, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ. And be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time in this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and praise you for your precious, powerful word that you give us the privilege of reading, that we can have time with you. It's, it's your very breath that we experience when we read your word. Father, I thank you for the songs that we have sung tonight, that you are our living hope without you we have no hope and father i pray tonight as i stand here that you'll empower me by your holy spirit to preach the message that you've already given in your word to encourage me to encourage this group that's gathered here tonight to encourage those who read this letter way back then and father may we glean understanding from you tonight and father i am an unworthy vessel tonight in the most worthy hands and ask god that you will empower me you'll teach me as i teach you'll preach to me as i preach you'll speak to me tonight speak to us encourage us give us courage to live a life that honors you in a culture that screams against you every day 
love you, and we're amazed at how much you love us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of my favorite old hymns that we sing from time to time, and you may not be familiar with some of the older hymns, but I was raised on older hymns because I'm kind of an older guy. But one of my favorite old hymns is, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I don't distrust in anything, but I wholly and completely lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, no matter what storms this life may bring to me or bring to you or bring to us, in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Now, for a long time growing up in church, I did not know what that meant. But my anchor is Jesus Christ. And he is holding strong within the veil. He is seated at the right hand of God. And I have a hope, a living hope, that will forever give me what I need to live and make it through the deepest, darkest valley or whatever storm may come into my life or your life because he is my living hope. Therefore, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now, in my life, the times that I've gone through storms, the times that I've faced difficulty, the times that I've faced uncertainty, the times that I've faced opposition, that very song I have sung, maybe not audibly for others to hear, but if I'm in a car by myself, I'll sing it so I can hear it and God can hear it, and I'll recite those words to encourage me because it is a song that I can sing as a child of God because I have hope when my circumstances seem hopeless. And I promise you in this life, you're going to face days, weeks, maybe months where you feel hopeless. And if you do not have Christ in your life, you are of all people most miserable. You are hopeless. But if you have Christ in your life, if you're born again, you have a living hope because our Lord, our Savior, our hope is not dead. He died for us, placed in a tomb for us. He was resurrected for us, and he is very much alive today. So no matter what my circumstance or your circumstance, we win because he's already given us victory, and he is our living hope. Hallelujah. Sing praises. To the Lamb, He is our living hope. 1 Peter is the first of two letters that Peter wrote to encourage believers just like you and I. I fear that sometimes that when we read God's Word, we think of these people in God's Word as people who are characters that we can never understand, characters that we can never associate with, characters that we can never experience what they've experienced, but these people that Peter was writing to were new believers. In AD 64, in AD 64, the church was only 30 years old, 30 years old, and in 30 years, believers were experiencing trial and tribulation. In 30 years, believers, those who followed Christ, were experiencing persecution, In 30 years, those who were followers of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ were losing their lives because people hated what Christ stood for. 
In A.D. 64, Nero was emperor. What I love about reading God's word is that secular history and biblical history line up perfectly. Why? Because our God is not the author of confusion. And it's amazing that secular history will point to the events that we look at in secular history. And we can see how God was ordaining difficult times to bring honor and glory to himself. And God may be using your difficulty in your life at this time or in the future to bring honor and glory to his holy name. And God was using the difficulties, the trial and tribulation, the persecution of these early Christians for you and I to be encouraged today. I've said for almost 30 years in ministry that following God is not always easy, but it is always right. Following God is not always easy, but it is always right. And the longer I live, the more I begin to understand that following God is almost never easy. It's always surrounded by trial and tribulation and difficulty, but it gives us joy and peace forevermore, no matter what circumstance we may Face. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. But he goes on to say, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He was saying to his disciples, he was saying to those early believers, he is saying to you and I through his word, in this world, Russ, there's going to be difficulty. In this world, there will be tribulation. In this world, they will hate you for what you stand for, but be of good cheer, be joyful. Laugh in the midst of it because your life is found in Jesus, even in the most difficult dark days. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. In 2019, in the United States of America, in the Bible Belt of America, in Springfield, Missouri, because we have the privilege and the freedom of gathering here tonight to sing praises to him, to hear his word proclaimed, to worship, and no one is going to arrest us. No one is coming after us, but there are other places around the world, even this very day, where people are hiding to read the word. They're hiding to worship our God. They're hiding to be the church of the living God. And some are even losing their lives this very day. I read yesterday on Fox News that in Burkina Faso, West Africa, I went last year to a children's camp in Burkina Faso, West Africa. There were six people killed in a Catholic church. The Catholic priest was killed because Islamic terrorists came in and killed them because they cannot stand Christians. I emailed the lady that we worked with in Dabugu, Burkina Faso, to see how she was doing, and they are in hiding. She is hiding right now another pastor because he is fleeing for his life. And so I assured her I would be praying for her and that pastor that I have never met but there are pockets in the world where people are literally dying because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is exactly the culture that Peter, the Apostle Peter, was writing to Christians in the provinces of Rome who had been run out of Rome because Nero was an evil, wicked emperor who burned Rome and blamed it on the Christians. He wanted to rebuild Rome and build up his name and his empire, and he knew that if he did that on his own, it would make him look bad. So he burned Rome in 
A.D. 64. As a matter of fact, it was July the 19th, A.D. 64. Now, I was studying that history of Rome being burned by Nero, and July the 19th will always stand out in my life because in July the 19th of 1965, a great date in my life, I was born. But I promise you, those people in A.D. 64, July the 19th, A.D. 64, they would have remembered Rome burning. And they would have remembered, Christians would have remembered Nero standing and proclaiming, these Christians who have proclaimed that someday a burning judgment of God would come, they're the ones who started this. Those Christians, those who are preaching a message that's different than ours, they're the ones who burned your city down. Those Christians who will not worship our gods and say there's just one God, they're the ones who have done this. And so because of what Nero said about them, they began to suffer persecution in a level they had never faced prior to this. Now, Christians had been suffering persecution up until that point, but at this point, Nero was strongly pushing them out. And they were in these areas that I just read, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia. All those areas were provinces that they were running for their lives. They were hiding for their lives. They were fearful. And they wondered, where is our hope? In those days, they would dispatch a runner. He was called a herald runner. And I've got to get down there closer to you all because you all seem so far away. They would, they would take a letter. They would take what Peter wrote. And Peter wrote down what we have as the word of God. They didn't have copies of the Bible like you and I have. They didn't have cell phones they could look on their, their, their app and find the Bible. They didn't have access to the New Testament scriptures from Matthew to Revelation. They had limited access to the Old Testament scrolls proclaiming that Messiah was coming, proclaiming that Jesus would die, proclaiming what we study in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament says the same thing the New Testament says. Our hope is in the Messiah, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the apostle Peter, under the inspiration of God, began to write to these Christians to encourage them, don't give up, don't quit, keep on keeping on. Jesus said we win. And so this Harold Runner ran to these different provinces, to these different places we just read about, and he took the letter and said, listen to this, hear this. This comes from the apostle Peter, and that's why in the first word of this letter, Peter, those believers would have perked their ears up. Are there certain people you get a letter from that when you see who wrote it to you, you say, I want to see every word this person wrote to me. Now, you are at the age where you are beginning to date or already dating, or you have a sweet somebody that you like to get those notes from. My wife is in Kentucky this week. She went back to take care of her mom, and every time she's gone, do you think I look nice tonight? Thank my wife. You can ask my daughter who is here tonight. I do not iron my clothes well. I can iron them. But by the time I finish ironing, they need to be re-ironed because I get creases in my shirts and in my pants and places I didn't think you'd get creases. And by the time I'm done, I am sweating from using an iron. So she's learned to iron my clothes, lay them out. If you were to go to my house now, my clothes are already laid out for Thursday. I plan ahead. I know I'm wearing my blue khaki, uh, uh, blue pants with a blue shirt. I've got my blue socks and my, well, I'm not sure what kind of shoes, but they're, they're there. 
But inside those shirts, inside my pockets of my shirts, when my wife is gone, in the drawers where I get my socks, in the drawers where I get my other stuff, when I pull the drawer open to brush my teeth and get my toothbrush, my wife will leave notes saying, thinking of you, praying for you, I love you. So much so that when she leaves, if there's not a note, I am disappointed. And I'll say to her, you didn't leave me a note. Well, I was afraid you were getting tired of those. No, you never get tired of receiving a letter from someone you love to hear from. Amen? And these people, they were discouraged. These people were running for their lives. These people, some of them were dying because Nero... Nero was persecuting them in ways that are unheard of. He was literally putting them on poles, setting them on fire. History proves that he did these things. He set them on fire and lit his garden to have his garden parties. He would sew some of them up into animal skins and let dogs loose to devour them alive. Some of them were crucified on crosses. Some of them, their heads were cut off. They were hated by Nero, and they were fearful, but they were faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. They lived in a culture that could not stand them. Our culture that we live in today is very similar to the culture those Christians lived in. I say this, we are one generation away from being a nation in America of paganism. That's why it's so important that you college students be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because your labor, my labor, it is not in vain. It's important that we raise up our children in the house of the Lord, bring them up in the teaching, in the nurture, and the admonition of the Word of God. Because we're one I believe one presidential election away from being a nation that completely turns upside down on what we believe concerning the sacredness of marriage and the sacredness of human life and the sacredness of everything this book stands for. And the freedoms that our pastor, Brother Eddie, has every Sunday to stand in that pulpit and proclaim the message on Facebook, proclaim the message in this pulpit, do what we're doing, we're one election away in this great nation of what we do on Wednesdays and Sundays. What Brother Eddie stands for week after week will be voted and considered a hate crime because he preaches the truth. We don't understand what it means to be chased out of a town like these believers did. They were hated. They were losing their lives Wives were watching their husbands die. Husbands were watching their wives die. Parents were watching their children die. Families were being slaughtered for the cause of Christ. And the book of Hebrews says we're not worthy of what they experienced. But Peter, oh, the, the memories that must have come in their mind when they first heard that letter read, Peter we know Peter, he walked with Jesus for three years. He walked on water with Jesus to Jesus. He had strong faith and he had little faith. His faith failed him, but his God did not. They knew that this same Peter who had denied Christ was the same Peter that preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were saved. And the boldness that he had 
They had heard story after story because the church is only 30 years old. They had heard the stories in the book of Acts that we know the book of Acts that was not even a part of the scripture at that time. They had heard the stories about not once but twice an angel delivered Peter from prison. The second time, the angel had to poke him and wake him up. Get up, we're getting out of here. And those who were praying for his release, when he knocked on the door, they didn't believe it was him. Oh, they knew who Peter was, and they were anxious to hear what he had to say to them. Am I already out of time? No, I'm watching that clock. How much time do I have left? How much? How much? We'll be here for breakfast. That 4.33 time in the morning, we'll be here. Listen, listen, I get excited in the Word. I want you to understand this Word is alive. And it doesn't mean as much to us now as it did to those who received this letter, but it is a living Word. They were encouraged by what they heard from the Apostle Peter. He walked with Jesus. He talked to Jesus. He handled Jesus. He loved Jesus. And they and their families and their friends and everything they were standing for, they were dying because of Jesus. And Peter is saying, don't quit. Peter, an apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ, one sent with a message of authority, and all the authority is given to Jesus Christ. Peter, an apostle, he's saying to them, remember who I am in Christ. Remember who you are in Christ. We are children of the Most High God. We are children of the one who died and rose again. We are children of the one who is coming back. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, writing to those who reside as aliens. Now that phrase, reside as aliens, in the Greek language is all one word. It just means we're strangers. We're just passing through. We reside as aliens. We're not meant to be here. We're just tenting. We're just tabernacling. It means someday we're going to take this tent, this physical tent down. My tent is almost 54 years old. And I promise you, my tent today is not near as taut as it was when I was in college and as an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old. I promise you the, the, the how you feel now is going to change. You're going to have a day that comes when this physical tent, this tabernacle that's not made for here, you're going to begin, you guys that have all that hair on your head, one of these days it's going to begin to fall out in spots. You're going to be inspired in spots. And you'll have the ability to grow more hair out your ears and nose than on top of your head. I'm just telling you, it's it happening in my life. I have, to, I have to schedule an appointment weekly to make sure that my ear hairs and my nose hairs are not longer than my head hairs. And one of these days, you'll think back, I remember that 54-year-old telling me there's going to be days like these. And if it's God's will, I'll still be here as the senior adult pastor wandering around here and say, I told you, young man, you're going to lose your hair on your head and it's going to come out your ears. Why? Because the book of Ecclesiastes says that we are not made for here. That we're, our, our hair is going to turn gray. It's going to turn loose. 
our strong legs are going to become weak. We're going to lose our eyesight, our ability to hear, and things that we're confident in, it's going to change. And Peter is reminding these believers, we don't belong here. We're not made for here. We're just tenting. We're tabernacling. And do you know the Apostle Paul said the very same thing to the church at Corinth? Why can the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul write in two different times to two completely different people and say the same thing? Because they serve the same God. It's the same Holy Spirit that empowered Peter to write and Paul to write. And our God is not the author of confusion. He will not tell Peter one message and Paul another message. God's message will be complete in both men for us to be strengthened in our walk with him. Turn with me over just a few books to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, let's back up to, to chapter 4. I want you to see that Paul says the same thing, that we are aliens, we are strangers, we are tenting here, we're tabernacling here, we're only passing through. And in our time of tenting and tabernacling, we're going to face trial and tribulation and difficulties. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, But we have this treasure. What treasure? Jesus. Christ, the Holy Spirit, our hope, our living hope. We have this living hope in earthen vessels, in this temporary tabernacle, in this tent. So that the surpassing greatness of the power that we have in us will be of God and not from us. Listen, we are who we are because he is who he is. Amen. We are able to be what he wants us to be because of who he is in us. Do you know Christianity is not us trying to be like Christ? Christianity is not us trying to be like Christ. If you're a believer, I'm a believer, Christianity is Christ being himself through us. Christianity is Christ being himself through us. Just yield to him. Let him be himself through us. He will produce his fruit in us for his glory and our good. We don't have to produce it. We just get to bear it. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, long-suffering. God, you just be you in me, and it will be overflowing in my life. In this old tent, young tent, temporary tent, whoever you are. Do you know Psalm 92 says, the older the tree, the sweeter the fruit, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Read it. It means as long as we're alive as believers, we will still bring forth his fruit that he produces through us, but we just have to yield. How do we yield? By spending time in prayer and Bible study and surrender and say, God, I can't live in this world. I can't live in this life. I can't do this, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength. Amen? That's where we get joy. That's where our peace comes in the midst of the deepest, darkest valleys. And Paul says, listen, this is not so we can brag on us, but brag on God. We are afflicted in every way. Paul's saying we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So that Christ may be alive, that others can see him in our body. 
for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death in us, but life in you. Now scoot down to, to verse 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. That's exactly what Peter is going to say to those that he's writing to in First Peter. Don't lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. The best is yet to come. Contrary to what Joel Osteen says, contrary to what Joel Osteen says, contrary to what Joel Osteen says, so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying, contrary to what Joel Osteen says, do not build your theology on Joel Osteen. He is a false prophet. He may write books. He may look. <laughs> yes. Our best life is not now. Our best life is yet to come. Listen, and, and on this side, God lets us have some wonderful experiences, friendship, family, children. And listen, I'm learning grandbabies are the best thing. I got four of them, 10, 8, 3, and almost a year old. Listen, I enjoy that. I, to hear them say, I love you, Papa. Oh, it's a joy and a peace, and I'm thankful for that relationship. But listen, it's going to get even better in the presence of the Lord. We're just passing through. We're temporary tabernacles on this side. We look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which we see are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly tent of this house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter. We're strangers. We're aliens. We are passing through. We're only here for a little time. So he is encouraging them. Don't forget. Don't forget. You're not made for here. Don't forget. Jesus said he's coming again. You're aliens. You're strangers. You are scattered at this time through these different provinces and then he says at the end of verse 1 in 1 Peter chapter 1, who are chosen. You've been chosen. You belong to Christ. He's reminding them you belong to Christ. Now, folks will always ask me, now, what does that mean you are chosen? Do I believe today in predestination and election? Yes. Why? Because it's in the Bible. Now, listen, don't, don't, don't hang up. Here's what I believe about predestination and election and being chosen. I believe in eternity past, before in the beginning, before Genesis 1-1. God who is holy knew everything in from beginning. Our minds can't comprehend that. I believe that God predetermined to elect to save all people through his son being crucified on the cross for you and me and all mankind. I believe God predetermined to elect to save people by killing his son on a cross for your sin and my sin. And then whosoever will may come. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you and I both know that not everyone will come to a saving knowledge. But I believe our God is saying, whosoever will may come. I am providing a way for you to be my chosen. I chose you before time even began to be saved by the crucifying of my son. That's what being chosen is all about. And he's saying to these believers, remember... Our God loves you so much, he chose, he chose to kill his son 
and you might have a relationship with him. So don't get bent out of shape. If you're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, he saves you, and then he gives you the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to become more and more like him. Why did he choose us? Why did he save us? Why does he sanctify us? For the purpose of obeying Jesus, right? Do you know how you spell, you know how you spell love? O-B-E-Y. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, if you love me, you're going to serve me. You're going to obey me. Peter is encouraging these Christians who are discouraged and they're fearful. Remember whose you are. Remember what you're saved for. You've been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. If you go to Exodus chapter 24, you'll see that when they gave the altar, gave the sacrifice on the, on the altar, there was a time where they took the blood of the animals and they literally, they, they slung it and they sprinkled it over the people. Three times in the Word of God, you see where they take the, the blood of the sacrifice and they, they actually take that blood and sling it. They sprinkle it over the people because of their sins. And we know the book of Hebrews says that the blood of goats and bulls and rams and turtle doves, they never atone for the sin of man. There was always a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ that would be shed for you and me that would, that did atone for our sin. And God accepted that sacrifice. And almost every time I talk about slinging the blood of sacrifices, someone goes, ooh. I want you to know that when Jesus Christ was murdered on a cross and he was crucified on a cross and he was shedding his blood on a cross, he said, ooh, that's horrible. What he endured on the cross, what he endured before the cross, loved you and loved me. And what he endured was because God so loved the world. Because God so loved what? That he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so what Peter is saying, don't forget you've been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you have a living So blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, do you have a hope? Do you have that hope tonight? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have not trusted him as your Lord and Savior, then you have no hope. You are lost in your sin, and God does not know you as his child. You need to repent of your sin, trust Christ as your Savior, accept the sacrifice of Christ for your sin, and be born again. But if you're saved, if you've trusted him as Lord and Savior, then no matter what your circumstance no matter the trial, the tribulation, no matter the difficulties that you and I will face on this side, and we will face difficulties because Paul said to Timothy, in this world, 
building tribulation. And he said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. It's coming. If we stand for what Christ stands for, and we stand against what Christ stands against, the culture around us is going to look at us like they did a Christian in the early church. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Father, we come to you tonight in a time of invitation. We pray that if there's anyone here in this place that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that tonight will be the night of salvation. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit's conviction and drawing in the lives of those who have never been born again. And pray that tonight lost people will be saved. And Father, I thank you for those in this room who are born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you that I am one of your children. Father, I pray that you'll grant me boldness and peace and power and strength to live in this life, in this culture, a life that honors and glorifies your holy name. Father, I pray tonight, maybe this altar might be filled with these young men and women coming to say, God, I need you every hour. I need you every day. God, I need you to help me be the witness and the light in this dark world that you have called me to be. And surrender to who you are in their lives. We ask your blessing on this invitation. And it's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray.